Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Linux Lads podcast. Um, I am Shane. I'm Connor. And I'm Mike. And we are three random dudes sitting here in a room in Dublin. <laughs> and uh, and uh, we, uh, we recently went to OGCamp. Um, so that's kind of the topic of today's episode. We're going to have a chat about that, all the cool stuff we saw there, all the cool people we met. But uh, first, we're going to get into a little bit of news. Um, so I believe the guys have something prepared. So I'll start <laughs> with you, Mike. Uh, so one of the biggest news that's recently hit the hit the networks is uh, that Dropbox is going to stop working on pretty much everything apart from extended for file system, and that's extended for unencrypted. Uh, I think well that just proves that people shouldn't be using Dropbox. What do you guys think? Um, well, uh, Dropbox I found is, is actually quite useful. Uh, I've been using it in, in the past, so it's certainly. But um, this new um, this new news, this new decision that's made is certainly making me think that to move to something else. But what I've liked about Dropbox in the past is just the the sync client has been in every repo of every Linux distribution for the past ten years. If you're going back to uh, Ubuntu or something like that, you just go straight away and type in. Dropbox into the the software manager and Dropbox is there straight away and you can just set it up and the the syncing has always been bomb proof but yeah if certainly if they're making these kind of anti freedom or anti choice choices I'm certainly thinking about switching to something else yeah I mean I've always found Dropbox really handy myself in the past um, mainly because like the, with the the Nautilus extension or the Nautilus client, it's super easy. Like you just, it's just a folder on your desktop. It mm -hmm. acts exactly like a folder in your home folder. That's what I always enjoyed about it. Um, it's like a, I believe that's DAV syncing, DAV. Um, I'm not sure if that's the exact technology it uses, but that's how it behaves. But um, yeah, I've always loved it. Um, yeah, not 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 a big fan of this change either. But uh, I don't know. I haven't used Dropbox in so long anyway. Like I tend to just split my files between Dropbox and Google Drive these days anyway. Uh, on that point of um, talking about um, Google Drive or um, alternatives to Dropbox, since we're, we're now cheating on Dropbox, <laughs> we might as well say, oh, but there are alternatives. Ooh. Um, pCloud is something that I've been um, looking into. I've not uh, been poking around with it. I don't know if it's a direct... Um, feature for feature and uh, replacement for Dropbox for my needs but it might be 80 or 90 percent there and um, certainly would support um, more file systems than, than Dropbox would and there's something also called Orclone which I think is using OrSync in the background and essentially if you have any kind of cloud storage be it Google Drive or um, uh, even Amazon or or something's very similar. Amazon, Amazon's AWS. You can literally um on their on their web page if you go to uh, just search for um, or clone and then on the, they've literally set up guide for anything, and it will literally say okay you want to speak to this cloud uh, infrastructure um and they will just sync down, and the handy thing about Dropbox is it does have selective sync. So if you have for example. Uh, an inordinate amount, let's say 500 gigs or 600 gigs stored up in Dropbox if you're paying for one of their premium um, storage um, packages or something like that. Um, the I don't think Orclone has the selective sync, so I don't think you can pick and choose, oh, I only want my photos folder, I don't want my music folder, which could be 50 gigs worth of music or something like that, syncing down every time I, I boot up Dropbox. Mm. Um, Mike, what about you? 
<coughs> well, I don't actually use it. I use own. Uh, I use Nextcloud uh, pretty much for everything, and a little bit, a little bit of PCloud recently. But about Nextcloud, we might talk uh, about it in a moment. But before that, how many of us actually use something else than plain Extended Four? I use Extended Four encrypted, so I wouldn't be able to use a Dropbox from October. How about you guys? I'm using Extend for uh, just whatever d is default with any um, distribution that it installs on my computer, which invariably is in Extend for. I don't specifically deselect the default and go to with something else. Do you encrypt it or? Uh, no, I don't, I don't encrypt it. No, I never get that detailed when it comes to um, file systems or anything. I'm just like, oh, the default is ext4, so why not? I think that default's real, real supreme. So pretty many people would be unaffected in this change because they will mm -hmm. just get the extended for mm -hmm. from Ubuntu. That's not to say that Dropbox uh, should just continue support as much as they can, but it's going to be okay for most people. Now, this might be a dopey question, but like, what about um, like Windows users using NTFS? Like it will work. They will work. Oh, okay. They said it. They named the file systems that will work, and it's NTFS, uh, HFS plus for Mac, and the Apple FS for for Mac, and uh, and, and extended four. Yeah. Oh, okay. So those four. So, and Windows gets one, Mac gets two, uh, Linux gets one. Mm, that's okay. officially supported. Oh, I see. I see. Um, <coughs> yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I don't. I can't see that having a huge impact then. Um, I mean, for the occasional person who wants to be different and run ZFS or uh, ButterFS or B3FS or BTRFS or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, or XFS is, is also a good one that I think um, Chris Fisher from Jupyter Broadcasting uses XFS uh, quite heavily. Yeah. I mean, um, the only thing is that uh, many people encrypt the file system like I do, but maybe people like that won't necessarily like Dropbox, uh, not just because of that, but for other reasons. So uh, we might not, I'm, I'm not using it. So uh, that might not affect us at all. Uh, on the topic of Nextcloud, maybe, because- um, Yeah, we can go into the segue into Nextcloud. Yeah, very, very smooth, I like <laughs> that. Uh, basically Nextcloud as, in my opinion, the best, uh, the best syncing solution there is because it's self-hosted and uh, works very well with Linux and has got all like a million of options. They are going to be releasing Nextcloud 14 in September and it's gonna have amazing features. Uh, one of them is link verification by video. So you have something very private that you want to share with someone, but only with that person. You send it, send them a link and when they want to open it, it will open a video chat between you and them via Nextcloud so that you can see their face and verify that it's really them opening it. Uh, cool or not? That's cool, but why? Like, <laughs> it seems like, like a lot of work. Like, it seems like it's it, yeah, it's cool and all, but like, like, uh, like a very, very tinfoil hat, paranoidy kind of feature. Um, I mean, I'm never really worried that when I sense share a file with someone that I like, I'm pretty sure it's the person I'm sending it to that's going to be opening it. But uh, I don't know. Like, what what is the the use of that? Like, where would that come in useful? They aim, I think, for enterprise. They were in the press release. They were saying, well, if it's if if you are communicating with your doctor and maybe your wife knows all your passwords or something like that, then you might still not want her to open this communication. Or I, I think they are aiming 
very much for enterprise with all there are other features that are enterprise related like uh, some kind of collaborative features so this as well might be in a case where you don't trust your employees to make sane passwords and you want to make sure that uh, that what's private stays private so I and they also they cater for people who are really privacy uh, privacy conscious and they like these kind of features another news uh, that they said is that it's they are going to be released or next cloud is going to be released on uh, millions of routers made by NEC the net corporation in Japan so that just means they are getting huge and I think that's a good thing because they just that's something that works on Linux and works well and it's great yeah especially having it uh, installed by default on routers like that's really interesting yeah. Yeah. Um, certainly, um, any kind of OEM adaptation of anything um, Linux related is just certainly a good thing. Means that there's more eyes on the code. There's more, uh, more feedback, and it can only be lead to improvements. Um, probably another segue. If we're going to um, another bit of news that came up in the last while, uh, quite recently actually, is the whole um, Steam Play and Proton. Uh, Proton is essentially a fork or uh, improvement upon Wine. Uh, Wine is is a backronym, as they call it, so Wine is not an emulator, is, is probably uh, it's a intermediary between the, um, the Windows application and the baseline operating system, in this case, uh, Linux and uh, what Valve done and I think uh, they had uh, support of um, the Wine developers themselves in this regard of creating a fork and uh, what it essentially means is if you're on the um, if you're on Linux and you have the the beta version of Steam and uh, there will be in your settings there will be a new option called Steam Play and if you enable that it, in, um, it essentially means that Windows games that are in your library, you should be able to install. Um, it is beta at the moment, so and um, those games may or may not work. Uh, there's a certain amount of whitelisted games, um, including um, Age of Empires 2 HD Edition, which I, inst I installed and is working perfectly, which I'm very thrilled and chuffed about. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember having uh, like very late night LAN games of Age of Empires 2, <coughs> and. Uh, yeah, that's that's a fun that's a fun game. But like, yeah, that that's that's really cool because like, that's kind of the missing piece of the puzzle. Like, if it works properly, I mean, that's that's the only barrier I see to like widespread Steam OS adoption. A, it's a game changer. Yeah. yeah, it's huge. I mean, that that was the main thing that was missing. Well, like when St that Steam OS and Steam Machines train was chugging along a few years ago, like that, everyone was kind of like, yeah, nice and all, but like. I can't play most of the games on Steam, so what's the point? <laughs> and I think that's the main yeah. issue people had. So, yeah, for 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 the you know the unwashed masses who aren't as cool as sick bird, all the cool, all the uncool like people who haven't heard of Linux and everything, and they're <laughs> just like you know all the, the the Twitchers and whatnot who love uh, you know you know what who want like sick fps and <laughs> max max kill ratios and all this shit all that competitive gaming stuff that i just don't understand um like for them i mean it's another little tick mm. another little tick box like ooh okay linux hmm I'm, i wonder what this is all about now i just how cool and how great is vine that you can build something like this on i mean this is mm. gaming is the most performance heavy 
computing that you can get in like household computing so if you can use an emulator on Linux to to do something like that that's just amazing that yeah yeah it's just another thing that's like gonna get people interested it's it's good publicity if nothing else um, I, was, I was in a I'm in a myriad of Linux related uh, telegram channels and I think um, uh, Alan Pope uh, also known as Popey, he um, shared an article. Um, I will have to get the details. And I'll probably put it in the in the show notes. But um, there was uh, a game that actually ran slightly better um, mm. on using this um, Steam Proton uh, thing, Majiggy, versus just straight up vanilla. Does that have uh, Vulcan support or was it DirectX? Uh, do do not know the again uh, the the specific game I will uh. I will get up the 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 details but um yeah it's it was like when comparing let's say if Windows was one hundred percent this was like one hundred and ten percent or something like that oh, it was, wow. it's it's kind of it was in around that ballpark and that's the average I think the mm. the um the the low S- FPS count in other words the minimum FPS count was slightly inferior compared to Windows but yeah. we're talking about the average. FPS count was slightly better than um, one th- just the game on Windows. I have heard reports though that if if a Linux game is done correctly, so if you have proper driver support, proper um, like the game is optimized for Linux or natively like built like for native Linux, and it's you know everything's targeted and focused on Linux and it's done properly, you can actually get far better performance out of that game than its Windows counterpart. So. Yeah. Like I, I think it's just a quirk of how Linux works. It's more efficient under the hood. Aren't there problems with like uh, drivers for the video cards? There exactly. It, like, but it's like the, the the all the third party stuff. Like that's the bottleneck. Like it's but it, like if you just take like a stock Linux game or a stock Windows game and it's developed natively for each platform, but it's essentially the same game. Then, from what I've heard, it will run better on Linux nine times out of ten. I've also heard um, something very similar, um, and particularly since um, it's all going in a, in a more open direction with Vulkan. I know um, Vulkan is uh, I, again the te- the specifics of the technology is escaping me at the moment, but I think it's kind of a re uh, interpretation or re Im- implementation of of OpenGL or something. I don't think it's it's a specific dri- uh, driver stack itself or something, but um, ag- again somebody. With, with better knowledge, will probably be able to correct me, but um, um, yeah, and the Nvidia um with their proprietary drivers um certainly has very good support, but also AMD now with their open drivers and uh, their drivers being open source, right? Um, with with the new cards, uh, we're done with the the latest bleeding edge. So the latest bleeding edge cards and the latest bleeding edge kernels, which will be um like. Uh, 4.18 or 4.19 maybe even kernels are not yet released um, might still be in release candidate stage or something like that but uh, that's how new it is but once we get to that point then um, all the AMD graphics drivers will be all be open source and um, apparently the uh, it's very good things that are coming down the pipeline with regard to AMD cards yeah I mean there's a ton of like open gaming stuff that sounds really promising and uh, and just just the whole stack I mean we, we had all that 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 news of like risk 5 and you know proton on steam and you know there's just there seems to be a raft of announcements recently that are just making linux more and more attractive to people like not just people who are already into it 
Yay, Linux. I mean, uh, would you guys then consider buying an AMD or buying a, an NVIDIA if you were to build a high-performance gaming PC? Um, I am probably, um, if I was to build one now, I'd probably go with a AMD, if I was to go with an AMD guard. I mean, I, I do have a, a, a 7... 750 uh, Ti which is pretty old at this stage NVIDIA card and the reason why I went with that is because without a doubt NVIDIA were the superior card at that time with their with their um, their even with their proprietary uh, proprietary uh, um, drivers and everything but certainly with this new revelation of AMD I would certainly thinking about going with Team Red rather than Team Green yeah that's that was definitely my decision like when I built my last PC I was I definitely factored that in to the components I bought because uh, I knew NVIDIA were better support like their proprietary drivers were far better um, so that's why I, I went with an NVIDIA card um, plus they were just releasing better cards at the time yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah it's it's no longer it's no longer a straight up Nvidia win, uh, hands down that has been in the past. At at the moment, it's a much of a muchness, and with the news of what AMD is coming down the line, it might be f like um, much of a muchness fifty percent one way, fifty percent the other way at the moment, or even slightly in Nvidia's favor. Uh, might be sixty forty in in Nvidia's favor at the moment, but uh, with um with what uh, AMD is going down the line it's certainly something very promising yeah yeah so watch this space mm -hmm. um, so Ogcamp shall we move on yep yeah okay lots to talk about there I guess um, <laughs> <laughs> certainly um, yeah uh, so um, Connor what was your favourite part of Ogcamp um, to be honest uh, like there, there were some very good talks but it it's all about the social socializing, all about the networking. Um, if you go to any of the these free unconferences, as they as they like to be called, it's all about expanding your your social network, um, expanding any like anything, expanding the community anyway in relation to the Linux community. Um, uh, I now more frequently talk on on things like Telegram and things like, like that to people that have met during the camp. So um, certainly that. But um, there was also some very good talks. Um, for example, the the um, one of the talks, um, Keith, I believe was his name. Yeah, Keith uh, Milner. Yeah, it was uh, the uh, GSM talk, which was very interesting. Uh, where essentially, I'll just give it a kind of a, a two sentence summary. Um, was essentially what he did was he he was uh, talking a bunch of Raspberry Pis, and he set up his own two uh, G network with the permission of the the communications regulator in the UK. Uh, but he got the license and everything, so he was able to do the demonstration. But essentially, he said, "You uh, do you know that massively complicated network that that um, that uh, runs your mobile phone, be it uh, Vodafone or O uh, two or whoever's your provider that massively infrastructure um, a complicated infrastructure he says I can pretty much replicate that with a bunch of Raspberry Pis and, and, and an aerial so that was really interesting yeah yeah I think that was a huge hit at the like a pretty pretty much everyone I talked to said that that was like their favorite talk <laughs> <laughs> like, um, yeah he kind of overshadowed uh, for those who don't know um, 
he 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 did like uh, two hours in total. So he did <laughs> one hour of like just the primer for like all the technology and the stack is unbelievably yeah. complicated. Um, uh, for on the first day, and then actually was meant to do this the second talk on the same day, but overran. So the second day, then he yeah, he had to do like a whole hour on how he built this himself, basically. But really well researched. Obviously, really knows his stuff. Just mm-hmm. super interesting project. Um, big hit. Um, Mike. Well, I was the biggest impression I got was how taken aback I was from all those people who expressed support for us when we said that we have we have a podcast <laughs> like uh, that kind of encouragement I, I was expecting something like yeah yeah you do well good for you good for you mm-hmm. well, good luck with that yeah. <laughs> well, I mean we got so much advice that we could probably write a book on podcasting <laughs> <laughs> just from that and uh, oh, definitely a shout out to all the people who gave us advice yeah, yeah I mean uh, we should probably like thank them in the show notes or something. Uh, yeah, just no, we, we, we just we'll we'll come up with a list of absolutely everybody who gave, who gave us advice, um, from uh, as I mentioned, um, Alan Pope or Martin Wimpress from the Ubuntu podcast, or um, um, Mark uh, also gave us ad- advice as well from Joe Ressington. Um, I'm sure there's people that I'm, I'm not um, Dan as well gave us advice as well. But as I said, all of this will be more structured and will be in the in the show notes. So we yeah. will give proper um, acknowledgement to everyone who gave us advice it's kind of like accepting an Oscar or something so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to thank yes. I'd like to thank Jesus <laughs> uh, also, also known as Joe Rissington <laughs> I'm sure he'll love that which one <laughs> well uh, I, yeah so that was that, uh, that just the whole community thing that you got that you get uh, that we got out of uh, the train station in Sheffield and suddenly we were in space surrounded p- by people who not only know what Linux was but also were very interested in it and uh, the whole culture that uh, uh, you have uh, you can go uh, to a pub and talk about things that really interest you and uh, the thing that the people we consider kind of celebrities in mm-hmm. our niche mm-hmm. are actually exact opposite of that like really approachable really nice um, without a doubt yeah and uh, that it was my or you can probably tell from my enthusiasm that this was my first big conference same, and same, uh, same with me, yeah, yeah it, it was it was astonishing how great an experience it was I'm definitely going next year I'm gonna risk getting into Brexit Britain uh, <laughs> for that um, yeah, um, on that point that Mike was making, that th- uh, these are s- what we considered pseudo celebrities, and we're going, oh, you're talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, but they're, they're salt of the earth. They're of the earth. Genuinely nice guys. They're so approachable. They're th- um, even after we, uh, all the advice that they, they gave uh, they gave us, and after like hours hour plus long discussion over a few beers, they were still they left the conversation and they said. Any more questions that you have with us, like feel free to contact us, and they're, they're like genuinely salt of the earth people. Yeah, yeah, it's just it, like I remember uh, a couple of years back when I went to my first dog camp um, in Liverpool. Like a lot of people were amazed that I'd flown over from Dublin, <laughs> and and they were like, "You flew on a plane to come here?" And it's <laughs> like, well, yeah, but like I I think. W- what what people don't realize is that like the in the UK there is a big community of this and there there there's a similar community in Ireland I'm sure but because I don't know smaller country less people you know it's not as obvious it's not yeah. as out there um, 
and you know the, the, there's like sparse pockets of people interested in all this stuff all over the country who probably don't get in touch with each other or don't know that each other exist so it's just it's pretty it's pretty awesome for 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 someone like from Ireland where this stuff isn't as out there yeah. to like go to one of these things and talk about this stuff just like and people know what the hell you're talking about and don't look at you like you've three heads and <laughs> you know and, and what's this Linux thing I've been hearing about is that some kind of software you know it's like it's just yeah I tried to explain what Linux was to someone in work the other day and they were coming I was coming from like level zero yeah. and uh, they were like they were like something to do with computers yeah. like, oh god I have a lot of work to do <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah so um, on, on, on for me uh, talks wise um, I quite enjoyed um, I quite enjoyed the retro computing stuff like uh, we had uh, forgive me if I'm pronouncing your name wrong uh, Heron Heron, Jerome, the the Dutch oh, guy. Oh, the the um the mainframe. Yeah, talk, the yeah. mainframes. I thought that like I didn't know what I was looking at really, but it was very interesting because I just I'm I'm really interested in like classic computing and how people did this stuff like 30, 40 years ago. Like I find it fascinating, um, and you know all the problems they had to. They were smarter than us basically, yeah. like because they, they had to come up with way more ingenious solutions. Like now we just type three lines of code and it does what took them six months. You know, uh, on on that on that talk was uh, very quite interesting. Was like very well done presentation and everything, and he brought us through the the history of it and broke us down and into even doing a live demonstration on on his laptop, um, doing the commands and everything. And then one stage at this at the uh, towards the end of it, he says, "Oh yeah, and you can and he has a photograph. He can run this all on the Raspberry Pi Zero." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like yeah, like a pocket calculator processing power is what sent men to the moon. So like, we're spoiled nowadays. Um, yeah, um, yeah. For in in general though, on the whole weekend, uh, just to give you guys, if if you're interested in going to Ogg Camp, um, definitely recommend making the trip, especially if you're in Ireland. Definitely, you know, hop on a hop on a shitty Ryanair flight and get over there and. Uh, Avoid the scratch cards. And avoid Manchester Airport. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By all means possible. <laughs> Fly to it in but then take a train or something. Um yeah, there's uh there, what is it? Um Mid Midlands Airport or oh, East, East Midlands Airport, uh, which is actually uh, a garden shed with a runway, but even that is superior to Manchester Airport. <laughs> yeah, let's let's not spoil the talk about can by the shitty experience <laughs> over Ryanair and Manchester Airport. Uh, <laughs> oh no, yeah, um, you will genuinely uh, if you go to all camp, you'll genuinely meet the nicest people. Um, I was like so uh, enthused in relation to uh, more like uh, exponential fold more enthusiastic about the whole Linux community and the whole uh, Linux ecosystem um, after going to all camp it was just really inspiring meeting all of those really nice people what did you guys uh, make of the podcast uh, uh, talk that was uh, that was recorded and unseen you know with all of them on the stage in the main, main yeah. area yeah I liked that because yeah. um, they, they, they brought up a very <laughs> They brought up a question that I've wondered about for for quite some time. Like, how do we take this out of like the community and 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 show it to other people who might necessarily already be interested in it? So I've often thought about that myself and thought really hard about it. Like, how do you make people into it? Like, who who just like because obviously like we we'd hook up 
like some sort of like we'd be messing about with some code on some server or something that like makes a little light flash on a, on a circuit board or you know those kind of little mini projects that make us like jump with jump with joy like other people don't get excited by that stuff because they're just different people so how do you make those kind of people interested in this stuff and show them why it's interesting and why it's fascinating and you know what what it can do for them basically from my experience the stuff just has to be better like uh, so if you work around developers they use linux not because it's free open source or whatever mostly unless they are really interested if they are not interested in this kind of thing they will use it because it's better than uh, windows and better than mac or maybe better than windows and cheaper than a mac or for whatever reasons but it has to be something that gets them interested i don't think if you have a person who's not interested in computers or is not interesting inter or maybe it is he is but maybe not in a but maybe just in gaming then you will have to give them something extra for to, to look for or um, even, I suppose, um, developers will be the default target market. That's probably the reason why um, Dell, with their project Sputnik, or initially were going after developers, whereas the uh, Dell XPS 13 Developer Edition came with um, Ubuntu by default, and now they're, they're gradually bringing into their lower-down Inspire Online or whatever their, they, whatever their lower, slightly lower-down, less premium line is. Uh, I think they're... they're it's it's a slow process, but I think they're doing it in the correct way, where they're gradually introducing it to to a larger and larger audience. I think if you um, turned up a a PC world or something like that, and it's like a Dell with Ubuntu on it, I'm sure you'll you'll get plenty of people just complaining, saying this is not Windows, this is not what I'm used to, even though it would do whatever you want I mean the vast majority of people when they go and they buy a cheap laptop a tree, cheap um, four or five hundred euro laptop all they're doing is um, browsing the internet watching YouTube browsing um, Facebook watching Netflix or whatever and doing some some um, uh, word processing or, or spreadsheets or something like that all of which will uh, Ubuntu or any other Linux distribution will do perfectly adequately but I think you get a lot of uh, complaints is just change err yeah. uh, in relation to the average Joe just going to uh, um, going into a shop yeah I mean I for, for me like uh, I have a, a really great story. Like my my my, my mother actually had a uh, a really crappy Toshiba laptop touchscreen thing with like Windows eight or something on it or something equally disturbing, <laughs> and uh, like she she like had that classic thing of where she couldn't find how to turn off the computer. Do you remember mm. that? Like the the actual off fucking switch was like <laughs> hidden <laughs> behind <laughs> menu yeah. up on menu. Yeah, and and. Uh, so she she couldn't use the thing and the fan would go like 90 miles an hour and like the thing the battery life was terrible and it was just it was just not a great machine but the software didn't make it any better but like I said right give it to me and I put Linux Mint on it um gave it a spin up um showed it to her and she she didn't she didn't ask me a single question she yeah. just started using the thing and yeah. Like and she's, I, I asked her afterwards was like how are you getting on that's how are you getting on your first Linux experience on your on your laptop she was like. She was like, it actually runs so much quicker. She's <laughs> like, it's amazing. And she said, uh, and she said, I said, do you find it difficult to use? Like, wh like what's, um, like, how does it compare to Windows? She's like, no, it's actually easier. <laughs> and I was like, there you go. <laughs> Take me later. <laughs> yeah, it's like, but that's that's a classic case. Like, it's it's not 
like I don't know people who don't use Linux seem to think it's something really complicated and convoluted it really isn't like it's just yeah well you made it better for her so that's why she she appreciated using Linux and that's when they asked the question at the, at the podcast do you use Linux because it, it's better or do you use it because it's open I wanted to use like raise my uh, raise my hand for both because it's better because it's open and that uh, that kind of development model is ensuring a better operating system and as long as we can get it out there and have people have a look at it then it, they might realize that it, it is better suited for their needs than something that's uh, made under the closed source principle and therefore like brings around a lot of things that uh, prevents people from doing what they need to do um i think there's there's a there is a stereotype uh, out there that Linux is only for people who just live on the command line and are doing sysadmin stuff and everything. Sure, it's very well suited for for that topic or that um that use case because you can you can admin servers, you can do everything very efficiently um, from a Linux machine. But that's not what I, that was my approach. That's not what got me into Linux at all. Was uh, invariably uh, even though I do a, a, a small bit of command line commands myself. Um, invariably I would I would use the the GUI method for installing updates or finding new software or something like that. So I invariably am approaching it from the same angle that an, a new user would or a user that's coming directly from Windows would where they say oh I'm going to bring up um, the software store or whatever as going to find oh can I install Firefox or can I install VLC or whatever the, the um, they're looking for um, so it certainly would like to dispel the myth of Linux is just for people who just live in the command line it, sure, it suits those people sure but it also suits um as um, Shane was saying, there there are people who just want something saying, "Oh, Windows is really frustrating. It's really slow, and all I want is a computer that runs Netflix or something like that." Yeah, I mean, if you're just going to fire up a web browser, or if you just want to, you know, type up a document or something, I mean, no problem. Like you can do that. Like it's not; those aren't complicated tasks. And I th- I, I actually find whenever I boot into Windows. Um, I just get frustrated because it keeps it, there's so many prompts and pop-ups and notifications yeah. and everything and it's just it's too busy it's too much getting in my way like I don't want that I just want a clean desktop there you go start using it um, on on that point of the the amount of pop-ups that Windows give you is the whole idea and this is one of the fundamental things that um, kept kept me coming back to to Linux was the whole the way it handles updates uh, updates are centrally uh, managed so for example um, everything will be on your operating system updates be it Firefox or something like that and also uh, it doesn't care when you run the updates it will say updates are available you can inst- you can click yet yeah, install the updates and um, if the up- updates do not require um, a restart then the the updates are already applied if an update does require a restart for example an update to the kernel or something like that we'll just say uh, a little pop-up will say this uh, update will apply the next time you reboot your computer you may not reboot your computer for two or three months after that after that point your computer will run perfectly fine it'll just be using the previous version of the of the kernel the pre- before the update and then as soon as you reboot your computer and um, then the new the new update will apply in other words it doesn't nag you it doesn't interrupt 
any session that you're doing, if you're watching a movie, if you're playing a video game, it will not interrupt that. Uh, even if there are updates going on in the background, it, it won't forcefully reboot your computer, unlike um, what Windows will invariably do. Just the difference basically being that with Linux you're in control, Yes. with Windows you're not. Uh, and uh, uh, Also, um, on the on the point of the centralised updates of everything from Firefox and everything being in your centralised updates, um, one thing I did notice when I was on Windows was, for example, I'm just going to pick Firefox as an example, it's probably a poor example, just, just uh, roll with it for the moment, is um, if it's uh, something that you use infrequently so let's say you use a program once every six months and then you say oh I, I have a use for this program um, be, be, let's say not Firefox let's say uh, a photo editing program you only use it once every couple of months then as soon as you open up the, the uh, that app and say oh yeah I want to use this right now the first thing it comes up with is this app needs updates whereas mm. the centralised updates as soon as you click the, the updates everything is updated even yeah. your infrequently used applications. And I can't, I really like the way this is uh, becoming future-proof because even Snaps now and I think Flashback auto-updates as well, but it, it updates in the background and it updates everything rather than, as you said, just uh, updates when you start the application. Which can be frustrating as all hell, <laughs> trust me. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've experienced that a few times. Like when I go into Windows and I want to use like video editing software that I haven't used in ages, like yeah. I, I get that. It's like a new version is available. It's like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't you do this when I wasn't using it? Yeah. Um, just yeah. just auto updates in the background. Yeah, um, yeah, like uh, so basically, um, just, just for the, the benefit of anyone listening who has never ever been to OGCAMP and has no idea what to expect, um, I just thought we'd maybe go through a little rundown of the weekend and what we got up to. Um, so, uh, like basically, so all three of us, um, plus, plus another guy, um, uh, we, uh, we basically <laughs> we flew over to Manchester Airport. Uh, the um, four of Tad Cantwell for the shout out. Oh yeah, yeah, we'll 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 mention him. He's 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 helped us out a lot as well, actually. Yeah. Um, but uh, all four of us went to uh, Manchester Airport on on a Ryanair flight, and yeah, got the train over to Sheffield. Got a hotel over there. Um, so how it works is like there's a Friday night social. Everyone kind of hangs out, has a few beers. Everyone has some food, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, then it's bright and early, nine a.m., ten a.m. on Monday for talks, and there's a lunch period and. You can buy swag and stuff in the main lobby area and you know some people go and they don't go to a single talk and mm. like which is totally fine like i mean like there's times i've like i i, I don't i think i went to only a handful of talks myself yeah. over the weekend like i think yeah. I maybe went to three or four max um but that's kind of not the not really the point i mean they're there if you want to go but you know it's over two days and you've a lot to choose from so you're going to miss out on something so, uh, but uh, yeah, the, the, some of the keynotes were quite good. Some of the more the community talks were good. Um, you know, I think I got a nice little cross section of of talks that I went to and we went to. Yeah. Uh, just a slight interjection. Uh, some there is more than one stage, so some of the talks were running concurrently. So, so you never possibly get to every single talk anyway. So, if you go to any of these conferences, definitely don't stress about. Um, attending every single talk don't think it's anyway required or mandatory or anything like that yeah exactly um it's 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 kind of it is what you make it it's an un, it's an unconference so you know it's if you want to go there and just talk to other people about stuff you don't usually get to talk about that's that's fine that's kind of the reason i went in the first place um 
but yeah then you've also got a few hours, a few hours of talks and stuff to attend and then you can get cool little bits of swag and stickers and for yeah. your laptop and you know there, there's <laughs> and there's a bit of networking there as well if you're on a podcast <laughs> 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 um so uh yeah so it's um yeah so it is what you make it it's 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 a great weekend it's it's just i'd recommend <laughs> you know taking the friday and the monday off work so you can get the most out of it um yeah definitely um so it's it's thoroughly recommended if you're at all interested in the next even if you're not go like just you might learn something yeah they're as i said everyone you meet is thoroughly probably the nicest people you ever meet they're they're unassuming very approachable there's no egos in it whatsoever which is is the appeal of the, what they call this um community run conference or this unconferences and sometimes the 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 terms vary um, depending on um, how you interpreted it, but that whole idea of it's completely informal, but that informality uh, bleeds into everything. It means that everyone's approachable. Everyone is saying, "Oh yeah, yeah." Like um, if you if you're in the in the pub, let's say on the on the Friday night or the Saturday night um, after the talks, and you say, and you go up to somebody and say, "Oh, I, I really liked your talk," and then you could in, you could invariably have a half an hour discussion with the person uh, that you just had uh, just witnessed their talk like a couple of hours ago um, uh, during the day their presentation and you could have a, a really uh, for fruitful and fulfilling conversation with, with somebody because you could just literally just saw them in the pub afterwards and say oh I really liked your talk uh, let me buy you a beer or something like that and, and then yeah, like everyone's really approachable. Actually, yeah, that's that's something I I was thinking of myself. Like, there's no separation between yeah. between the talkers and the listeners, if you yeah. like. Um, and uh, it's like if you want to go to something like I don't know the tech summit in Dublin and you pay through the nose for a ticket, and you know it's all very professional and industry based. Like this is kind of the antithesis to that. It's just community fun. Uh, it can be related to professional stuff if you want it to be yeah. but generally it's just for people who love doing this stuff and who love learning about it yeah uh, it is not everything or only strictly about linux obviously it's also open or sharing culture as they as they call it so uh there were some talks on uh, on community on how to how to set up an organization uh, that does community community matters and also many of the people who who put it together are participating in let's say um, creative communes music and other sharing culture uh, ecosystem so that there's another side to it than just linux um actually just hearing you talk about uh, that uh, mike was the whole sharing culture and the whole setting up your own thing was one of the talks that was i found was actually really interesting was uh, this group of people set up um uh, a co-op um with a membership and people oh, yeah, pay like their that, dues yeah. and then what they do is saying okay rather than paying your your tenor a month for Google or Dropbox or something like that, we host our own cloud and you have access to this cloud and the whole thing of it's it's small and you know you know the contact of the person who's you know the people who are who are running it and say uh, if you literally just it's an email away and they're they're usually pretty responsive if you say um, I'm using your your service and I find your service really slow can you help it out with me uh, or help help me out with it. Um, I'm sure they would all be really approachable because it's literally only run by about five or six people versus 
uh, Google or Dropbox where you're just another ticket number or something like that. But uh, that whole um, uh, go to get up uh, attitude of you know, um, uh, let's say if you're just, if you're saying I'm sick of Dropbox, I'm sick of Google Drive, I'm s- sick of Amazon's cloud, or I'm sick of Apple iCloud or whatever, screw it, I'm going to set it up myself. And uh, this whole thing of just developing a, a cooperative. Um, uh, in the UK, um, setting it up, setting up your own company, and saying, "Listen, uh, this may only we're we're only um, five or six people, and this may only serve fifty to hundred people, but this this is what our business model is, and it mm. may be very small scale, but I I like the whole get up and yeah, uh, do yeah. it attitude of that. I really like that too. Yeah, that that was really interesting, and it was something so obvious that it just never occurred to me. Um, yeah. Just to give them a shout out, they were called uh, the. Dark Peak Data Collective. That's correct. Yeah, so the Dark, I don't know their website. We'll put it in the show notes, I'm sure. Um, but uh, yeah, really fascinating project. And they're not the only one. I've, I actually heard of more than more than one um, while I was there. Uh, Mike? Yeah, if uh, if anybody's interested to know what it was all about, we will obviously have the link to the OCAMP website uh, in the show notes. And I think the, the notes for the actual talks uh, and the schedule are still up. So people will be able to look up uh, many of the presenters put their slides uh, online as well so people will be able to look up what was happening there even if they weren't there yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, how are we doing on time um we're at about 44 minutes 45 minutes yeah so uh do we have any uh, closing remarks or do we have anything else we want to talk about any cool stories from our camp um nothing that springs to mind just our camp do it <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, Mike. Oh, same. I 100% agree. Uh, and uh, yeah, oh come, do it. Yeah, I'll definitely be uh, trying to attend as best as I can. Um, work permitted or uh, finances permitted um, next year. Um, but certainly, um, it wouldn't be lack of enthusiasm is the reason why I wouldn't be able to attend next year. Yeah, I think there's one thing we didn't mention. There is no, you don't have to pay oh, for yes. it. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, so it's free. So yeah. it's just basically getting there and uh, getting there and uh, accommodation. Yeah, flights and accommodation. And I think there are people who actually take it literally and they camp somewhere on a site nearby or it was a thing in the past <laughs> where they basically put up a tent on a camping site so it can be done cheap yeah yeah, yeah. so it's not an expensive weekend um and uh, if you're from dublin as well going over to the uk is always way cheaper <laughs> yeah the, the drinks the prices oh, yeah we ended up in um in a winter's winter spoons on the on the friday and it was like Two or two fifty quid drinks uh, in sterling, which worked out at about, I think, between two thirteen and three quid a pint. Yeah, in you, Euro. like not a snowball's chance in hell you would get a pizza and a drink for eight euro here. Yeah. Oh yeah, unless it was really terrible, and it, but it was really good pizza. <laughs> no, no, it was it was, it was good stuff, and um, I think I, I made made the joke. Uh, uh, the I forget who it was at the time, but one of one one of the podcast presenters, and I said, "Oh, this place is so, is so cheap that I uh, can get drunk on a tenner." And he replied back saying, "I can get drunk on a tenner anyway." So <laughs> I think he was saying he was a bit of a lightweight, but <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, um, definitely uh, go to our camp is the message we're trying to get across, I guess. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I think we'll wrap it up. Um, thank you very much for listening. Um, I've been Connor. I've been Mike. And I have been your host, Shane. So, see you guys. Bye.